0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Who's Who in the Zoo. This is a podcast aimed at developing an understanding and an empathy of other people's roles in the construction industry. The role that we're tackling this afternoon is that of tenancy coordinator, and the representative for this very important role is Karen O'Brien. Welcome, Karen. I'd love to know if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and also what got you excited about this role.
1: Well, it's, it's one I kind of fell into by accident. It's one of those jobs that you, you don't know exists when you're at school. You know, when you're a kid, you don't grow up thinking, I want to be a tenancy coordinator. So when I started off, I actually, I'm Irish. Um, and back home, I was in advertising for a while before I actually moved to Australia, wanted a changing career. And I ended up in a sort of facilities management kind of role where I got exposed to one of the banks and they needed help building branches. So I said, sure, I can do that. So I started building branches for banks and uh, then switched over to the dark side and went to work for a landlord. And the role that they had was tenancy coordinator, which was something that I had bumped into as I was building bank branches around the place. But again, wasn't one that I had really thought much about and you know didn't know really what they did or why they did it. Um, but basically were the people who who pick up a tenant once the lease deal is done, and then we run through to opening with the tenant. So, has two main focuses. The first one is to make sure that the tenant does everything they have to under the lease, and the second thing is that they um, we help them because a lot of them don't know what they're doing. Mum and dads, you know, who have just decided to open a coffee shop or whatever, um, don't often know how to even start building a shop so we take them by the hand drag them kicking and screaming to opening day and then we walk away um so after doing that for a few years and sort of bouncing around then I've done a few other things all tangentially related to retail fit out Uh, I started up my own company and we focus on only retail fit outs and a large part of our work is tenancy coordination so I like it because we get to deal with everybody. We get to deal with, you know, the the owner of the shop, the owner of the shopping centre, you know, we get to deal with lawyers, designers, engineers. We just get to deal with absolutely everybody. You see the whole thing, the whole, the whole scope of the project. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole zoo, um, and it is a zoo. Um, but yeah, I just like that you get to touch so many different points and and because of that you can actually build up a really good picture of what's going on, what's happening, how things are going on the project and you can steer it and guide it and get to a decent outcome at the end of the day. So. And then once they're open you're finished and that's kind of good too. <laughs>
0: You get to celebrate, so Aaron. Uh, I want to drill in a bit harder. <laughs> yeah, yep. I want to drill in a bit harder on the day to day. You don't need to talk about today or last week, but generally on a day to day basis, what are the activities that you're doing in your role?
1: So it it varies a lot. It's you know from every day is different, um, but the basic sequence of events, if you like, is, um, and you can be doing, you can be doing 20 of these all at once and everybody is at a different point in the process. Um, But you basically get an intro to the tenant, you know, find out who they are, what they do, you know, really engage with them as much as you can and find out if they have a designer um, because sometimes they don't. And if they don't, we help them find one. And if they do, great. We talk to the designer as well, make sure they understand what the expectations are for the look and feel of the shop and also the timelines. So we do quite a bit of programming to sort of give them dates that they can hit along the way to make sure they get open on time. Um, we will deal with people like yourself as the design progresses um, to kind of find out a bit more about the base building to make sure that it's integrated into the design. Um, we'll help them find shop fitters if they need to. Um, and then we will, we'll actually get the shop fitters onto site, which can be tricky sometimes not all of the shop fitters out there have the level of safety the level of insurance the level of experience that maybe a landlord would want to see so we work through that with the shop fitter and the the tenant get them building monitor the build make sure they've all their certifications and then they open um that's the yeah that's the kind of timeline but there's always little niggles and ups and downs and things that go wrong and haven't, been, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> haven't quite been delivered the way you would expect them to be delivered so that's where the fun part is
0: <laughs> so it sounds like it has an awful lot of communication and relaying of information backwards and forwards and perhaps some sort of due diligence on whether the process is being built to both the landlord's satisfaction and to make sure that the tenant succeeds am I, am I getting yep. am I getting close on that <clears throat> right.
1: look absolutely um, and one of the things um one of the things that I find sometimes quite tricky is that you're given a situation by the landlord where they they want the tenant to deliver something in particular. they want it to be a really beautiful, expensive shop, but their documentation might not actually say that. So they might not have things in the lease that mean the tenant has to meet those expectations. They might not have things in the fit out guide that really describe the outcome that they're looking for. So then you kind of get down the track and we've got we've got designs, we've got pricing, and the landlord's going, don't like it. Start again. You know, that's awful. That's <laughs> not what we expected. And my answer to that is, well, I I need a stick to beat them with and if you haven't put it in your lease yeah. I can't make them do it so yeah, that, it, it's even back to that. It. yeah exactly so it's even back to that initial piece of, com- of um, communication that it all flows on from there So it's, it starts right at the beginning. And then as things go on, it's, I've, I've dealt with tenants who didn't know how to tell their designers that they didn't like the design. You know, they just don't know how to manage their designer and put across their expectations. So sometimes I'll help them do that. You know, they, they don't want to maybe upset their builder when they're on site. So they can kind of ask me and I'll, go in and maybe have a, a bit of an argument on their behalf and so it is very much making sure that everybody is on the same page and that things are happening really just making sure that things are happening yeah yeah
0: i can uh, i can sort of imagine here you're you're sometimes a coach you're like <laughs> an enabling person uh, and then at other times i think i'm detecting a little touch of being a policeman
1: oh god uh, blowing the whistle
0: on or blowing the whistle on the landlord, or you're sort of being the the hard the hard I was going to say the hard man. I don't think that's uh, PC, but it's certainly <laughs> that you know, the hard person in in the room.
1: So, yeah, oh. no, absolutely. It's it is our job to make sure that the tenant is doing what they're meant to do. Ultimately, yeah, you know, we we work for the landlord. We're paid by the landlord. That's our job is to make sure the landlord gets what they want. It's Dealing with very inexperienced tenants means that you have to do that explanation part. You have to, I hate this phrase, but you have to bring them on the journey. You have to really, you know, really sometimes pull them on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. So, uh, in terms of a good day at the office, what's a good day at the office?
1: A good day is when they open to be honest. It's, it's always, I mean, apart from the fact that it means you're nearly at the end, um, it's, it's, it's seeing, seeing a retailer do what they're meant to do. You know, they're not meant to be designing and building shops. They're meant to be running shops. So the amount of times I have been pulling my hair out with a tenant, trying to get them to, you know, to, to just sort their design or pick a builder or, you know, just, just, do what I want you to do and then they open the doors and I can see what a great experience they give their customers or what an amazing chef they are and it's like oh that's cool you know we'll all we'll all forget about the build part once they're up and running and making loads (laughs) of money yeah so that's it's always good to see them doing what they should be doing
0: so I guess it's easy then to tell what a bad day at the office is (laughs) when the fame. The famous dentist or the famous chef is trying to be the architect, and, uh, possibly look, the lawyer. <laughs> so.
1: Look honestly, I mean that's sometimes that's kind of part of the day to day. That's sort of what you expect to happen. So it's almost it's it's nice when that doesn't happen. But I wouldn't even necessarily say that that's. An especially bad day. Um, I think it's more when you when you find things in a building that aren't how they should be, um, and you have to try and figure out. Well, oh my god, you know we're in it now. You know, we how do we fix this? So that can yeah, be
0: there are contracts mm-hmm.
1: that there can are be
0: contracts cool. and there are livelihoods and all of that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Karen, I think this is a this is an area that um, as I said I, I've seen you from afar and I think you you have to deal with a lot of political skill, a reasonable amount of technical knowledge um, you have to often be polite and have a high degree of uh, emotional intelligence. Um, so <laughs> the next question might be catching you off guard what 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 remain to be the biggest challenges that you're facing at the moment? what are the biggest? you know, uh, barriers, obstacles, roadblocks that you have to work through?
1: I would say the, the one that continually comes up, no matter whether it's COVID times, construction costs going through the roof, lack of staff, all of these things, it's always budget expectations. That's, that's a really big one. So the amount of times I hear people say, I built my first house for less than this is it, it, it's, I'd say it happens once a month. Um, often tenants have no idea how much it costs to build a shop and they Dramatically underestimated, and they get a horrible fright when the the actual tenders come back. Um, So that is that's an ongoing issue. And even though we try to address it right at the beginning and we talk about budget, they never really believe me. (laughs) It's you know when I when I say no, it's going to be up here, and they're going no 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 no. I'm going to negotiate. My brother's a builder, and I'm going to. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, how did that work out for you? It
0: sounds like it sounds like it's an area where a little knowledge is a very dangerous thing.
1: Oh God! You yes. know, somebody,
0: yeah. somebody might have heard, "Oh, we did it for two hundred grand." Well, actually, it's going to be six hundred grand here. Uh, I can imagine yeah. that disappointment must be hard to to trans, you know, to, to communicate with. Yeah.
1: And look, at that stage, they usually have a design that they're really in love with. And it's horrible and mm. then have to take a sledgehammer to it and start taking things out because that's really the only way to do it. You can't save thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars by substituting finishes. You know, you just have to wholesale take it apart.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Karen, uh, left field question. Um, what... What do you think happens in other parts of the world? I mean, you, you alluded to, you'd spent uh, your growing up time in, in Ireland. Um, what happens in other parts of the world and, and, you know, are there any lessons learned or things that we could copy, if only sort of thing, from, from mm. other parts of the world for this role?
1: That is, that's an interesting question. Um I know that they spend an awful lot of time and money on it in places like Dubai and the Middle East, where they are building these real experiential centers. Um, I feel like the role over there is probably valued a little bit more. Um, and I know right. that there are people who have, who've left Australia and gone to the Middle East um, to work in that environment, um, because it is valued a little more. I think over here, it's still, it's often seen as a, a a box ticking exercise, you know, for, for somebody who's learning project management, it's like, oh, go do this. And, you know, you'll be exposed to all kinds of things. And, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll learn as you go. That's that's not going to deliver an awful lot of value for your client, I'm afraid. (laughs) It's um, It's
0: like like becoming a boxer, you learn how you go. (laughs) There's a lot of roles that I think that, (laughs) apply.
1: I by, remember
0: by, uh, Jets,
1: by, uh, yeah, um, yeah 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 so. yeah just give it a go you'll figure it out <laughs> so, <laughs> i remember um a few years back in uh, i was covering down in sydney um and there was a little assistant project manager bless his heart and <laughs> Uh, we, we spent the day together and I was sorting out some problems and he was sort of shadowing me. And at the end of the day, he said, oh, so you do your job because nobody else does their job and you have to chase them. That's like, yeah, OK. Yeah. yeah fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's back to that sort of policeman. Um Thing, I guess. Uh, Yeah. But in terms of how we, how people do things differently, I mean, I probably do things differently because I've been doing it for so long. I make Mm. suggestions to landlords about how they could remove the risk from from themselves and push it onto the tenant. And I then guide the tenant through. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the landlords need, they need rent paid. That's that's what they need to happen is they need to have an open trading tenant paying their rent, and to get there, there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. There there are sort of the the old Westfield Red Book from this is from way way back that sort of started the process, and they had a very rigid way of doing things, and this happened, then that happened, and. There's a lot of other ways you can do it, and if you're smart about it, you can make it faster, you can make it cheaper uh, for both you and the tenant, and you can move the risk around and and make it um yeah make it a better proposition for for everybody really so it's it's certainly We're not looking
0: a yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Um, my final question, uh, perhaps the hardest one of all, for other stakeholders, and it sounds like you're running into all of them. For other stakeholders, what what advice have you got that would make your job easier? Uh, so let's start the... with. Let's just start with the potential, potential tenant, and yep. then we could talk about a potential design team.
1: Look, I mean, so let's
0: start with the tenant.
1: Well, one of the things I would say, first of all, is that I don't think anybody goes into, well, maybe maybe they go into it, but they don't stay in tenancy coordination if they have a problem with having a hard day. Because there is, there's a lot, you know, it, it is a lot. It's a big job. I had somebody ask me the other day, you know, why I didn't have more grey hair. And I explained that. Yeah, they, they too could have red hair that comes out of a bottle. Um, but it's, it's, it is tricky. You know, you have to have a level of resilience. You have to, you have to be able to handle the slings and arrows because at various stages, you are going to come in conflict with almost everybody on the project. And, you know, it's, it's just work. You know, it, it is just work. I guess for me, ways for people to make make it easier. Transparency is a really big one. So there are some leasing people out there who know damn well that the tenant they have picked won't handle the process. They they don't have the money or the ability or the team behind them and they're going to struggle. But if they can get a, a deal signed off, great, that's their job done. Um, so I find that would, yeah, I would love if that was driven out of the industry and just, you know, do a bit more due diligence on the tenants and make sure that they do know what they're getting into. Um, in terms of everybody else, perhaps. I mean, yep, yeah, sorry. No, I'm just
0: listening to you and I'm thinking that perhaps, coming back to your comment about devel- delivering a win-win for everyone, Yeah, yeah. perhaps a real understanding of of, of what makes a tenancy succeed. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, so obviously the landlord's got to to be paid his rent but there'd be lots of other costs that maybe the tenant doesn't really need uh, and sort of being able to really find out how does that tenancy business case work
1: Um, and I think some of them are terribly optimistic Um, so some of the tenants Mm. can be very optimistic it's (laughs) And some landlords are better than others at helping the tenant with their business and with their, their their business case and give them some extra value. I mean, I'm working on something at the moment where this integration of online and bricks and mortar. So how can you help your tenants Make sure that they've got that fit. How can they leverage some of their digital assets? What should they be doing? What should their staff be doing to make sure that they're actually, you know, going to be able to, to deal with customers who have probably looked something up online or have a problem finishing a transaction online or have a question about something that's on their website, you know, that, that kind of interaction. But there's, there's a lot of things that landlords can do beyond just throwing money at a tenant to keep them going, to to make sure that their business is successful. Um, and some landlords are better at that than, than others. But at the end of the day, a tenant that falls over is no good to anybody. Um, so, you do want to make sure that they have a pretty decent understanding of what they're getting into in terms of the costs. Because often they'll have a, a portion of money set aside that'll be their operating costs while they're getting up and running, while you know customers learn where they are to buy stock, that kind of thing. They have to dip into that for their build. And it's, yeah, then they're kind of stuck. So, so a lot more transparency at the beginning would be great. A lot more consideration given to tenancies at the beginning of the build. So, I do a lot of work in mixed use um, where there's a, a apartments or commercial or something else on top of the retail on the bottom. And it's only natural, there's only a tiny bit of retail, an awful lot of apartments, but it's really important that the retail is given some consideration. So, I've seen, you know, floor heights that change by half a meter in the middle of a shop. Um, I've seen ductwork runs all the way through the tenancy to service something up above, and you can't actually fit any of the tenants' air conditioning in the ceiling space. You know, there's, it's just a kind of a dumping ground <laughs> for all the other stuff that the building needs. And the worst thing about retailers is they make it work. You know, no matter what's thrown at them, we we figure out a way to actually make it work. So everybody thinks, "Oh, retail will sort that, retail will sort that," and it would be lovely if we didn't have to sort every single problem. <laughs> well, that that would be nice. Yeah.
0: Well, it'd be nice if if every if every tenancy could could thrive and make it make their business oh, grow. That absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does nothing I know
1: works. what you mean, Karen.
0: <laughs> I remember a handful of sort of really great restaurants, you know, like an Indian restaurant comes to mind, uh, absolutely lovely food and uh, lovely people, but just really struggling with um, what do you mean I've got to submit drawings for approval to a certifier? What's a certifier? Um, you know, there's this level of knowledge to that we need because we want to build safe buildings that we can operate and it's just Absolutely. bewildering i think to people mm-hmm. who are outside the industry
1: yeah 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 well really karen get it.
0: <laughs> thank you very much that was very informative uh i wish you well and uh i'll see you again at some other time i'm sure so, pleasure see you later karen thank you
1: thanks